Welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Hi, this is George Spaulding. Welcome to Practitioner Radio. With me today is Troy Dumoulin of Pink Elephant. Troy, say hi. Hey, George. So, Troy, where's Chris Dancy? Chris Dancy, isn't Chris Dancy supposed to be on this thing? You know, Chris is uh, is going to be missed, but it's after three years, Chris has decided to uh, to move on to different areas uh, in interest aspects. So he's, of course, we know him now as the world's most quantified man, and he's he's doing some excellent and exciting things. I've been following on LinkedIn, and he's got all kinds of blog and tweets going out there about. Uh, Internet of Things and uh, wearable technologies, et cetera. How many million sensors does he have on him at any one time? Uh, I think that varies, but I think it goes from two to f- 400, 500, I think we talked about our last show. Truly scary, truly amazing. Well, more power to him. And, you know, someone has to, has to lead the pack, that's for sure. I'm sure that eventually we'll all have something in our watch and something in our shirts and something, Lord forbid, something in our underwear. I don't want to go there. That's talking to our, you know, iPhone and reporting and monitoring our current status uh, everywhere we go and all that stuff. It's probably, you know, in the end, make make us healthier, make us live longer. Uh, but um, we'll miss Chris. He's certainly a character and a great personality, a great mind. Uh, but um, well, who's going to take his place, Troy? Well, George, um, that's why I invited you. Really? Yes. I mean, <laughs> you are the new host of Practitioner Radio. I thought we had that discussion. I'm the new Chris Dancy? No, no, you're, you're George. Did anybody ask <laughs> did anybody ask Chris Dancy if that was okay? Anyway. Yeah. George, you do your own show. You do your own thing. <laughs> I will do my own thing. Anyway, uh, uh, kudos to Chris and uh, good luck to him, and that's great. Uh, so, uh, Troy, you and I had a talk, and we decided that we were going to talk today sh- in today's show about we're not going to have any other guests right now. Uh, it's just you and me. So we were going to talk about IT asset management, which really seems like kind of an old topic, but uh, everything old is new again. So uh, let's let's get into this. When I talk about asset management or when I hear about asset management, of course, the thing that comes to my idle brain is always um, configuration management. So I'm sitting here going, okay, so what the hell is IT management, IT, management, IT asset management? Come on. Uh, it's got to be the same thing, right? But I guess it isn't. So talk to me about that. Right, and we're touching on some sensitive areas. Like, you know, people can get into holy wars over frameworks. And this has actually been, as you pointed out, a debate for years. Because there's two camps of thinking in this context. There's uh, the folks who in the in the ITIL space, service management space, who have always simply said asset management is a derivative or a aspect of the overall concept of configuration management, uh, managing my environment, the assets that comprise my services. Uh, but then there's the ITAM, the IT Asset Management Group, that is its own community, uh, has its own associations. In fact, um, there's a professional association called the International Association of IT Asset Management, I-A-I-T-A-M. That's a lot, I want a lot of letters there, Troy. Yeah, so you can just say ITAM. But the reality is for a long time, that community has been a bit, I guess, spread. Yeah, there hasn't been a single voice or source. But what's happened recently, Why? Well, and that's why we're going to talk about this show today, really, I think it's relevant. This organization is actually emerging uh, with its own body of knowledge, an ITAM BOC, if you will, 
and professional designations and certifications around the basis of IT asset management, which is, of course, a subset of asset management. So now this this area that's always been part of our world is actually becoming more formalized. And now there is something to point to and say, okay, yeah, there's a recognized body and function and organization. Cool. I mean, they've been around for a while, but uh, they seem to be having a, a resurgence or maybe just a surgence. They're surgeons. Yeah. They're emerging. They're emerging. They're, they're getting bigger. They've got, they've got a couple of events. They've got two events uh, a year, a spring and a fall. And the next one's coming up the end of April, April 29 uh, in Henderson, Nevada, right outside Vegas. So, George, you t- you spoke at the last one, right? I spoke at the one in Florida. I think it was Tampa uh, in October, and I must have done okay because they asked me to uh, keynote the one in Las Vegas. So I'll be I'll be giving a keynote in Las Vegas on April 29th. So, being there in Tampa, what did you notice? What how would you re- comment on the the environment, the community? Yeah, here's the truth. I I was. So I was basically, it was like an, I was an afternoon, you know, the one, the guy, second after lunch, uh, breakout. And, you know, you know, basically what that means. Everybody's like, and, you know, I expected, I went in a room, the room maybe could seat, I guess, uh, 150 people, maybe 200, somewhere around there, if you packed them all in. And I was expecting maybe 25, up to, if I was really lucky, 50 people uh, to come and listen to my stuff, which was basically comparing uh, configuration management with asset management. And um, I went in, listened to the guy before me, very smart guy, really into this whole stuff, all this stuff, asset management stuff. So... I'm sitting there going, hmm, I wonder if what I have to say is really pertinent or relevant to this particular crowd. So I, you know, I'm, uh, he, the guy finishes, uh, there's a break, and I go up and set up my PC, and I got like 225 people coming to this session, standing room only. They're all over the back of the room, they're in every chair, and I'm going, whoa. This is nuts. I I didn't expect this at all. Uh, it really was a shock. It was a surprise to me. And of course, what what really was finally dawned on me, amazing. I guess we I am getting old, Troy. Was well, there's just so much synergy between asset management and ITIL, and between asset management and configuration management, software asset management. All that stuff just dovetails together. So it was a uh, that that was a real aha moment, you know, the not lightning bolt knocking me off my horse moment, and I went wow. So anyway, now I'm speaking at their conference again and uh, exhibiting at their conference. They're going to be exhibiting at our conference next February, and and um, we're working with them to uh, release a couple of new courses for Pink in the world of asset management. So. And that all kind of started, really, back in that fall when I walked down there and got so surprised with how synergistic we really were. So it was good. Excellent. So going back to your original question, I think I think we have to start this discussion back at the fact that this is a data question. And, you know, using the trending term, a big data question. <laughs> because in the end, we have data about the IT environment, which in essence is not an IT environment. It's I like the terms business technology. This is all just business technology assets, right? And so the following along with the DIKY model, the data to information to knowledge to wisdom. That DIKW. 
the IKW. Thank you very much. Just, just clarify that. <laughs> Wisdom is spelt with a W, not a Y. <laughs> Wisdom doesn't start with Y. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. There's, there's a, context is everything, and that was actually one of the shows, and I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes. We talked about uh, geeking out with data models, and context is the basis of making decisions. The, the thing here, though, is there's all this data out there, and various practices, process areas, use that data for different purposes, right? So we would use that from a service management perspective and understanding the makeup com- composition and dependency for service provisioning and the whole management of that. In the asset space, they're going to want to use that for managing the life cycle of the asset. You know, that's the plan, acquire, track over its life cycle and retire and dispose in a, you know, nice way and green way, I hope. Um, Architecture would look at that from the point of view of design, the same data sources. The information security would be looking at it from the point of view of threat and risk, cybersecurity, those types of things. So it's, there's so many different uses for data, but we're still we're still talking about one central database, right? Well, this this is the thing, right? This is the thing. Today, that is not the case. We have data silos, and I don't know if if you've experienced this, George, but in my experience, every one of these practice areas, whether it's service management, asset, infra- uh, architecture, security, they all seem to manage their own data sources about the same stuff. Is that your thought? Well, first of all, well, yes, and for there's two or three things that enter into that, just on the question of central database. Um, and then I have another question or point to bring up. But anyway, you know, so in in the world of configuration management, we say there should be one database. Now, we there's never been anything in ITIL to say don't ma- don't incorporate all the asset information in your configuration database. Matter of fact. That seems to be a really good idea. Let's just have one big database. We'll incorporate all the information. We'll just have, and then give different people different ask, uh, different views of the same large, all-encompassing database. Uh, but the truth is that finance will never give up their own database of stuff. Literally, just from politics, from control, they don't want to. They don't want a bunch of geeks running their database. And then every tool known to mankind that's out there that does discovery or monitoring or any of that other stuff has its own little database or management information base and, and uh, pumps all sorts of data around current, very temporal in many cases, data around tracking servers, tracking, you know, network devices and routers and things of that nature. So we've got a gazillion databases, which is part of the issue, because uh, we really could, you know, just need one database just from the configuration standpoint, let alone from the asset standpoint. So this is this is the context of the configuration management system, right? So just like we, we link tables within a database, we can link uh, macro tables in a system of data the challenge, and this is, you know, forget ITIL for a minute, forget asset management. A basic premise of information management is we try not to manage the same information multiple places in multiple uh, instances, right? Because that's just a nightmare, and that's what we have now. Does IT know that? <laughs> <laughs> Seems to me that's exactly what we do in IT is manage the same information in multiple places. It gets totally screwed up. And that's interesting because we'll preach something different when it comes to enterprise resource planning because we said, you know, it doesn't make sense to have all these bespoke applications on their unstructured data sources all uniquely standing alone. Let's put this into a common general ledger and have all presentation layers using the CMS language source a common central truth. 
And that truth might be spread across multiple data sources, but it's a common central GL. Okay. Now, we teach that to you know, our customers, but we don't do that well internally. We tend to focus more on a best of breed. And it's more, it's more political than it is technical constraint. As you pointed out, Various groups don't want other groups to have access to their data for some either political and or perceived legal and or security reason. I think it's just that finance, does, that's the way they've always done it, and they don't want a bunch of geeks messing with their data. Yeah. So, you know, we have the same premise or challenge with the concept of identity management, right? You know, this is, this is going back to the old joke in foundations class, our people CIs, configuration items. And, oh, of course not. People are not CIs. We're, we're above that. And I said, well, okay. Is there a record about you, George Spaulding, in more than one IT system? <laughs> Absolutely, right? And do each of those records have attributes uh, that describe some aspect of your life and private personal <laughs> activity? Okay, this is getting weird now, Troy. This is weird. <laughs> and, and hopefully we'd want to have some kind of synchronization and rationalization of all that data. Well, this is the same thing, right? The reality is we have a server, a database, an application. Uh, we, we try not to manage this more than once. And this is where the premise of, if we just take that as a basis of conversation, and yes, we can kind of lock away certain attributes or certain aspects of data based on rights or entitlement. So that entitlement and rights management model is critical here for security and all of that aspect. But we still want to get away from managing the same data multiple times. It's just bad practice, and it has this huge frustration of overhead. Well, yeah. I mean, there's, you're talking people. We're talking people who have to manage it multiple times in multiple places. We're just wasting effort, not just the, not, and wasting effort. And we're then losing the advantage of coordination, of having, being able to see one thing touching another. We're losing all that. Other question, and, and maybe it's off topic or a little bit, but so you brought up this IAI TAM group and the fact that they've come out with a body of knowledge and and uh, they're good people. I've talked to them a lot now, and and they've they've got certifications. But I'm I'm a little confused because way back in 06, 07, I was starting to see an ISO standard, ISO one nine seven seven zero that was focused on software asset management. How does that dovetail in here, or does it? Okay, so if I'm not mistaken, I don't believe I am, because uh, I did some research on this recently. That specific ISO standard was subsumed into the greater uh, asset management ISO standard, which is not specific to IT. So right now, there is not an IT ISO standard, if I am not mistaken. Uh, there is one for general asset management. Really? I didn't know that. Okay. I have to go and do my research on that, and I'll link to it in the show notes, but I have that perspective right in my mind right now. Okay, good. Yeah, it was, I did the research. It seemed to have been retired. All right. There was a, some very, very smart professor, PhD guy who, was, who had written all that. So there is a standard for general asset management, uh, and of course, IT asset management is a subset in the same way that IT service continuity management is a subset or child process of BCP business continuity management, right? So you can't have one without the other. But the the ISO standard is at the general level. In fact, the CEO of the IA TAM organization is actually, I think she's on the board of the ISO standards body for, for asset management. As well she should be. And she's speaking at Pink 15, by the way. There's a plug. Whoa, really? What is her name? Do you know? Her name is Barbara, and I have to remember her last name, but I'll put that in the show notes as well. All right, good. Uh, Dr. Barbara. <laughs> Dr. Barbara. Dr. Barbara. Maybe she'll have a TV show, Dr. Barbara. 
Um, so the, like Dr. Phil and Dr. Joyce Brothers, things like that. Yes, the asset management pain. I have asset management pain. Um, okay, good. So, all right, so let's get back to this. So is, um, so what, if, if, what's the elevator speech about the difference between asset management and configuration management? In other words, give me the 30 second, 60 second, not the Troy Dumoulin 10 minute explanation with, too many acronyms and too many big words. All organizations have to be accountable for managing the life cycle of the resources that they manage. And in the case of public organizations, they have a f- legal financial responsibility to report on the value of those depreciated assets. So in this case, asset management has a driver beyond just best practice. So the driver is pretty much financial and stuff I mean, where is it? How much is it worth? How much did we pay for it when we bought it? How much is it worth right now? When is it written off? When does it come off lease? When do we retire it? In, you know, in, because it's it's outdated, and we need to think of other things relative to better use of resources and our funding. Okay, and then on the other side of it, what's configuration management? The elevator speech. All right, configuration management. I actually want to talk about this at three levels. Think of data at three levels of management discipline. Inventory, what's out there, who has it, how many do I have? Those are in spreadsheets, everyone has one. Asset, that's what are the financial attributes I wish to track on the life cycle. Config, what are the relational components that basically show me the dependency for how these things work together, how they need to together build and deliver outcomes, services. So three levels, inventory, asset, config, and you will manage your environment at a level of your choice based on scope. So is that, would would you describe what you just said as a maturity model? In other words, configuration management would be the most mature of those? You, you know, it's, it's not so much a maturity model. Uh, and that's actually an interesting question. Because let's say I have this repository of 10,000 uh, configuration items slash assets. Okay? And by the way, asset itself is a definition unique to each organization because what you define as an asset is simply where you place the trigger level of financial care. Right? I, I care about a laptop because it has a financial value of X, but I don't care about a mouse because it's below that threshold. Right. Yeah. Right. So asset has a, a trigger level of definition, which is unique to each organization. Uh, but let's go back to that maturity question. If you have this repository of information about objects and artifacts in your environment, you will make decisions, scope-based, business-based decisions about what level of management you will have around those 10,000 odd objects. Let's say I choose to manage my, my laptop at only an inventory level. Okay, that means I'm not worrying about financial assets, uh, attributes, excuse me, and or relationships. Perhaps with the exception, I want to know who has it. Right? There's one relationship. Who is the user? At an inventory, excuse me, that's inventory level, that's my scope decision. Now, it's not a good example because probably I'm going to use laptop as an asset because of its worth. But let's just say I, this block of stuff, I'm going to manage inventory, okay, as inventory. This next block of stuff, because it, you know, it goes into that level of cost, which I have built as my threshold for what is asset, I need to track financial information about its, its purchased price, its depreciated value, its leasing information, et cetera. Let's go one level higher and let's say, okay, now this percent, maybe it's only 5 to 10% of that 10,000 set of objects, I'm going to manage at a relational level. Let's say I do a business impact analysis on critical services and there's 15 or 20 of these things. 
So I make a determination of scope for my CMDB that those 20 services, I will manage end-to-end relational. I have made a decision on each aspect. I may never choose to manage everything at a configuration level. And that's not well understood. People have this belief that ITIL says everything must be connected in this uh, database of relationships. No, that's actually not practical. Ah, this gets me to the next point, Troy. Good, not practical. I like that one. So so when people, a lot of times in the old days, so we, people would talk, you and I have talk, done this, and I've even danced on stage, which is always a frightening thing, uh, about the uh, instant problem change dances. Basically, people... <laughs> I have that burned in my memory. <laughs> Sorry, those are there's some things you just can't unsee, isn't it? I can't unsee I that. I can't George. unsee that. I know, yeah. So the instant problem change dance comes from the fact that what when people say, "Yes, we're doing ITIL. Yes, we really like it. Oh, it's really wonderful," and uh, you, f- you come to find out what they're doing really is incident, problem, and change. Incident uh, was pretty obvious, and and they already were doing it kind of, and now they're doing it better. Change kind of came along pretty quick after that. Problem was a no-brainer once you had incident and change going on, as long as you had an incident database to do uh, incident tracking and matching. So you could do problem management, and that was good. And then they kind of stopped. And one of the reasons they stopped is because the next thing they were looking at was configuration management. Configuration management's really, really hard to do and requires a lot of effort and certainly requires probably an investment in a tool and on and on and on. So then the, and the other problem with configuration management, and this gets back, is every time we describe the value of configuration management, we describe it in terms of other processes. Boy, I sure do wish we had a CMDB because it would be a lot easier to uh, get to the uh, to solve these incidents and resolve some of these incidents. I wish we had a CMDB because I could uh, get to the root cause of the problems much more easily because I could see how everything was related, blah, blah, blah. I sure do wish we had a CMDB so that I could assess the impact of upcoming changes at a much more accurate level. So in other words, we always used another process to justify what the value of a CMDB was. So the real question comes up then, is a CMDB by itself valuable? And does it, does it have an ROI? shall we say, and is the ROI sufficient in incident problem and change? So I'm going to go one step deeper with this question. You're right that the CMDB is not valuable unto itself. Other things need the information it will and can provide if done right, right? However, there's actually one even deeper dependency for you to want a CMDB. And by that, I mean a place where you have modeled services end-to-end from from business process right down to lowest tactical component, right? That is that your organization cares, understands, and manages against services and not simply technology. Because the real question here is what is the business case for modeling and managing service relationships when an organization doesn't know or use or manage against services? And that is the question. That That's really the question about the ROI. In other words, without the service component, is there enough ROI with incident problem and change to warrant all the work, pain, and expense of CMDB? And my belief is no, there is not. No, because incident problem and change need the relationship model. But if services haven't been defined, what am I going to model? Right. So already we have some source of inventory slash asset data out there. 
what we don't have is the dependency. And that's, that's the challenge for incident because as they point out and change is the same problem, you know, 40 to 60% of the time take to take to restore something, figuring out what broke, what broke in the first place, meaning I need to know the relationships. So there's, there's incident problem change needs config, but unless the organization psychologically and culturally is ready to manage against services, there is no business case strong enough to invest and maintain a CMDB. And I agree completely with that. And that's pretty much blasphemy in the world of ITIL. Now, if you're you're not there, if you're technically focused, then all you can do is inventory slash asset and go ahead and keep your spreadsheets, right? But the moment you become aware and manage against services, you can no longer live in spreadsheets or uh, silo-based data. Well, and the spreadsheets become all those same data that's being tracked in multiple places. As you used, you introduced me to the term rogue databases. And what was your th- attack rogue databases with? Severe prejudice or... Uh... Severe prejudice, that was it. <laughs> in other words, right. beat the crap out of the geeks to have them stop doing their own little database and focus on getting a central source of data. Yeah, what you don't want is this CMDB created for incident and change management which then builds little federation bridges to all these third-party databases or Excel spreadsheets, which have no other functional capability other than storing data. Because we're back into the storing data multiple times scenario. Right? You know, they talked about moving from your standalone siloed-based data sources into a condo, where you as the data owner still owns your data, but now you own the data in a condominium where we have connecting hallways and we have connecting uh, you know, staircases and elevator shafts. So now I can model data for the first time in a relational basis, but not all data based on scope. Well, and I think you brought up one other thing, which was you don't, it's not all or nothing that the CMDB isn't all or nothing. And I, I, I remember having this conversation long, long time ago and actually doing some um, a seminar on this where basically you could choose different parts of your infrastructure and do the asset management slash configuration management of those at different levels of maturity, which is really what you said earlier in this. You make decisions. You want to, okay, step one, let's get some efficiencies, consolidate, standardize. Before we even figure out best practice, just standardize, right? Because the efficiency issue right now is huge in this multiple data source uh, issue. Then you can decide about what level of data management you want, and then various practice areas, be it asset management from a financial perspective or config from relation or architecture or information security, will all use the same general ledger context to basically use it for the presentation layer of of management of IT, but not data silos for every single practice. That's insane, and that's our current practice. That's what's happening out there now. So I have a question. So what... I mean, I know that when we look at this with our ITIL hat on, we have a a process called service asset and configuration management. But in in reality, how do I – because even if I were to – here's the way I describe it. Uh, You've been a very good – you've been a very good company, so I'm going to give you the best system known to mankind to keep track of all your configuration items and assets. And I'm going to be miraculous today, so I'm going to wave my magic wand and I'm going to populate it with your current state of your current infrastructure, all because I'm just a great guy. And now, how long do you think that's going to be accurate? It's going to be accurate for like a minute. You know, or an hour. That was Y two. That was Y two K databases, right? So yeah. Now the other side of that is other processes care about different data. Asset information only cares about the stuff you've deemed as a financial asset for tracking. But config wants to understand things which are not necessarily deemed assets. It wants to understand 
things which fall below the threshold of finance, perhaps, but it also wants to start tracking logical objects like a system or service record. Contract management, from a supplier management perspective, will want to get documents and underpinning contracts into the data store, right? So one perspective doesn't give you the full understanding of the scope of what we're talking about. Right. And, you know, somebody else is managing software uh, licenses and things like that. Yes. All right. Well, we're nearing the end of our time, Troy. So let's try and do some sort of wrap up. So the, the discussion was about the difference between IT asset management, configuration management. I think we've, uh, we've pretty much done a fairly decent job. But are we saying basically that, that most organizations have some sort of asset management, but not necessarily some sort of configuration management? That's true, because as I mentioned, there are drivers to do asset management which are beyond just because I thought this is a good idea or someone told me it was a best practice. There are external drivers, especially for a public-based organization, to do this well. Uh, there are financial drivers, and people have to basically you know, stand up and pay attention. We're talking money. The config is someone has to recognize, hey, we need to understand relationships <laughs> because this is a, you know, a connected world, and we need to know what those connections are. Okay. Well, one of my favorite stories about asset management is a true one. I try to only tell true stories. One customer that I went to um, told me about that they had 30 servers coming off lease, uh, but they ended up having to buy them. I said, well, why did you buy them? And they said, because we couldn't find them. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) We we didn't know where they were. So uh, that was was classic. You break it, you bought it. You lose it, you you bought it. it, You bought it. Anyway, well, this has been fun for our inaugural time, Troy. I hope this was helpful for people out there. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with Practitioner Radio number 57. Absolutely. Talk to you soon, George. Thanks, Troy. And, And thanks for coming. Hey, bye, everybody. 